Take two, we all got Schar Alicha. Okay, next Sunday Shir will be a Mitzvah at 9.15, if everybody could handle that and it doesn't interrupt any uh, carpools or any other schedules because of Rosh Chedesh. And we will begin where we left off uh, for the few who are sitting here who are uh, going to hear the story again. So the first thing I mentioned as we ended off with the story, we were discussing following leadership, when we were discussing in Yad Shalom, and I mentioned the story, which I wasn't sure whether it was Golda Meir and Yaakov Taka reported right away that it was Chaim Weitzman, neither of which I'm fond of quoting for any halachic or hashkafic inyan, but over here, the quip is important for what not to do. When he met Truman, uh, he asked Mr. Truman how it feels to be president over 180 million people, and... Um, Truman was talking to him and expressing uh, whatever he was expressing. I don't know, did Truman say anything about his 180 million people? Did he express any uh, exasperation or he had full control? Uh, I have a tougher job than you. Okay, so uh, Chaim Weinsman told him he has uh, 3 million presidents. So that's um, the, uh, the quote over here and what he was trying to uh, voice was the fact that I'm not saying he uh, had any tikkun amidus, and for redifas a covet, it's a pretty lousy job if you have three million people constantly chepering and correcting you. Our job, he be shayftim. One of the issues was that not everybody followed the shayftim, which the pasuk will discuss in shayftim, and we discussed at length in malachim. The maila of a king who's a tzaddik has a police force and an army, and mamela. He could dictate policy and enforce halacha, which the Rambam says is exactly what he's supposed to do. Lishbar yad rishayim. And people still have Bechira to make trouble, but a little less so we can keep the country going and keep the Madrega up. The kings that were bad, unfortunately, used that to enforce Avodah like Achav and Yeruvim and Avot. And that became very problematic. In the time of the Shaftim, you don't have the downside of the kings who were Rishayim, but the upside isn't there either. And as Rabbi Vigda Miller said many times in his overview on Shaftim, the experiment was a tremendous success for 350 years for 90% of the time. Clay so did the right thing just because it was the right thing to do without anybody forcing them. Uh, the problem is it led to some huge problems once in a while. And Pelagish Begiva, Pesamicha, and some of the things that we're going to start seeing here in the Psukim of the Avarazara and the assimilation creeping in. So that will be a theme. Uh, that will be a theme that will uh, plague us throughout Shaiftim, but we're supposed to learn from it that when the Shaifit does finally take control, and he does take a position he's not interested in taking. None of the Shaftim were elected, none of them ran for the job. You have to listen to him, and the backdrop of Rus was that part of the problem was that when he finally decided to try to help out, not everybody listened, and that was a problem. And we will get back to that theme uh, many times. We're just beginning to start it in the Psukim. Uh, the second thing we'll just touch upon now, maybe coming weeks I'll give a little bit more time to it but there was a tremendous amount of interest in the drawing of the sun and the moon and the stars and the malachim and the like so in very broad strokes the issue that came up last week which was a sign of the times I think Tzadik you asked uh, if you have a weather app and it's going to be sunny so the good news is it will be sunny the bad news is is they have a picture of the sun so if it's partly cloudy, it's better because some place can say that if it's slightly obstructed, it's mutter. Not everybody agrees to that, but that hetta would help us for a partly sunny day and it would help us to photograph or draw a sunset or a sunrise. 
and it would help us if little clouds are blocking part of the sun. It would help us if little clouds are blocking part of the moon. It does not help us for a quarter moon or a slice of a moon, because that's the way it appears naturally. And there are many places going to say, no, this helps because the sun appears in all these positions naturally, like the moon does, and there's no heter for any of this. But there are places going to make the chile between the moon versus the sun and the stars. Uh, I have a, um, I think, a mirror who's always drawing these things for the kindergarten and you want to know is it mutter to draw it and if it's partially blocked dafka with clouds or a sunset you have more to rely on. You also have Ramesha has an achuva that his lamed is mutter. The Gemara talks about that in Roshana. If you remember the Nasi had the pictures on his wall to teach the Edim what to look for. That's directly Lizlamid. They needed to know what the Kiddush HaChedush was, what the Melod was, what it looked like for the Deanim people passing in the Shailuz for the Basin and for the Edom. That's directly Lizlamid. Ramesha suggests Lizlamid is also including any time you're betraying a point in Chumash, um, Bracious, even for little children. Others don't agree with that and they say that's not Lizlamid. You can give them an idea of what the... You could talk about the sun, the moon, the stars and they get the idea. Although the younger ones, clearly the illustration is better. So Ramesha has a cool on that. Others are not sure. But if you have a partial sun or a moon partially blocked, not a partial moon, that would be us, sir. Not a moon at a quarter, quarter of its, uh, uh, a quarter of its uh, picture, let's say quarter of the month. But if you have stars that don't really look like stars but are supposed to represent stars, the one that was sent in to me had stars drawn but with little parts missing. So Shaila is how much does it look like a star? And is Islam a heter? So when there's a need, you chayra zev zegerim and tusnif and lahokal is Islamid, and you're trying to obscure it a little bit, then you would have what to rely on. But a lot of details in that. Yes. So if you have you drawing the sun and just a circle. Yeah, the lines are problems. That represents the rays. The more it looks like the sun. The smiley face. We've never seen the smiley face. We're not looking at the right sun. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of gray area how much it will look like the sun as opposed to indicating that I'm trying to draw the sun. Uh, Sadek's question was an interesting one because the Tzad Lahoko about the weather app is that you're not really drawing it because anything on the computer, when you just open it and then shut it, a minute later, it's not really drawing, and we're making with that, because if you have him and then you shrink it, or you get rid of it, you turn off the computer, we don't consider that Mechikas Hashem. With that said, many of the programs try to write the dollar instead of Shem Hashem because of these problems. It's not, not Pashat, but at the end of the day, the Tzad Lahoka will be that you don't... We have some kids who just joined the Shira, so whoever has that, they can listen, but please mute. Uh, so... The tzad will be it's not really writing. So if you're checking the weather and it's very important, then I believe there is another tzad over there. If it's partly cloudy, it's a lot better because then at least you have another series of pace game that I make, even though that's not pushed either. So at least I just wanted to touch upon it for the weather app. Those who are looking at the weather felt guilty all week. Uh, and Baruch Hashem, it was probably cloudy or rainy to help us along with that shayla. But there will be days that will be sunny. And I think the tzad is that... Uh, you're not really writing or erasing, even though we try to avoid it. Okay, that was based on the fact that the Pusik we saw last week, they had a picture of the sun or something related, some facsimile thereof, to show that Yeshua Ben Nun was so great 
And he had so many Nisim Niflayim, and the biggest Nez Nigla the whole world saw was stopping of the sun. And they put it on his cover to show that you got to do all this while you're alive. And if you're not alive, you can't do anything. And it's a picture of the sun. So some suggest that Eliezer has a chuva on it. It's coming from mine. What? I don't think I can. I, I don't control it. I think Sadiq controls it. Sadiq, you can mute everybody without muting me? I was unable to mute the person who is on the phone. Oh, okay. So, um... Maybe if he finds the mute button. So, Lamaisa, the the picture being drawn, is there a way to mute on the phone if you're not in the computer? If I mute, if I mute, I mute mute myself. Then they can't hear me. Uh, Unfortunately, I have to basically kick that person out. (laughs) I never threw anybody out of share before. This is a new one. Uh, I once had a younger, uh, younger share was teaching, but they were, you know, almost best measures. Even then, I was wary to do so. Uh, uh, <laughs> so the, this thing was on the Matseva, and everybody asked this Shaila. It's also to draw a son. That's how we get onto this. So some say that it's called a cheres because it was just a round disc of a cheres piece of pottery, and it was supposed to represent the sun, if you remembered and you knew that Yeshua didn't stop the sun, but a round black piece of cheres doesn't look like the sun, even though it'll remind everybody of what you're trying, and you could write a pasuk, and you could talk about how he stopped the sun, and this is just representative of that, but it wasn't a picture of a sun. And it was a ball. It sounds like Timus Cheres, it was named after this place because the cheres was a round cheres for the sun. That's how we got onto this. So that would be the easy terrace, and some suggest that. And others say that they can easily draw a picture of the sun with some clouds blocking it, according to those who will make it with that. So there are a number of avenues over here, and the same Shailas that the Murrahs are asking, and the Rebbe's asking, Lagabi the first graders, and the kindergarten, so uh, the same heterim would apply over here, whichever heter you go with. What? So that's another Shailah. We assume that the sun and the moon, the stars, since we see it 2D, it's going to be usher 2D. That's not Dover Muskim either. Some say that it's only if it's embedded, not if it's flat, the other heterim. At that angle, when it comes to human beings, we assume it's only usher if it's 3D. That's the heter to take pictures, which we do. And that is not a Dover Muskim, as I mentioned last week, but the mini seems to be the hoko with the advent of photography. The other example that's usher is drawing malachim, which people do when you get to the parsha where Yaakov was dreaming about malachim, and when the malachim have a changing in the guard. And then the end of Ayetse. So it's mutter, according to many Peskim, to draw malachim if they're only 2D, as opposed to making an image. Why is there a chilek? Again, the sun, the moon, the stars, you look up at the sky, and the perception, as we see it, is only 2D. We don't see malachim at all. And if we'd see them, it would be 3D. That's the angle of the But even that's a machlekes yeshenim. All, all these categories are a big machlekes. It just were makel by the celestial bodies. Malachim, a little bit of a toss-up, but the lamaisa will make all over there also. And then the question is, the chayas ha-kaydish, it's only usher to draw when it's all together. So nobody's doing that unless they're drawing the maizah recover. So that's not going to be an issue. So that was all from the matzeva of Yeshua Benun. Let's go back to Pasuk Yudalid. In the Psukim. Perik Beit Pazgidal should say, V'yichar Af Hashem. Let me know if you don't have it. What? Have it? Um, should be, uh, go back a little bit. Perik Beit Pazgidal. It's the fourth fourth line down. V'yichar Af Hashem B'Yisrael V'yitnem B'yad Shesim V'yashesim 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 V'yash
This is one of the tremendous nisyanis in life that when it comes to Heshtadlus and Bitochen and the balance, we've spoken about this many times, not enough. We'll come back to it in Mitzvah many more times. I'd be as gold tzedek, and even after the Mashiach comes, the Ramam says that Tkufu will be, Pasen like Shmuel, will be natural, even though there'll be Nisim, and people always want to know, do you have to be going to work? The Rambam says, even a natural existence, that means there'll be industry in the world, the stock market will be going, it just won't be handled by Jews, believe it or not, and we're going to be sitting and learning. But you're not going to fly to the Bez Medjish, you'll walk. So the question is, is there Bechira? The answer is, doesn't sound like there'll be a big Yetzirah, because it'll be more obvious, the Gilu Yishchina, but there'll still be a Nisayan, just far less. And some break it up to a Tkufa representing Mashiach Ben Yasef, Will there be more Bechira, more natural, as opposed to a later Tkufa? As the Ramam says, we'll find out when we get there. Lamaisa, the dichotomy is, is that Hashem built the world as a menagerie, sort of, to have the Yitzhahara, at least have the Kayat, to trick us into thinking that if you do the Shtadlis, you get the money, you go to work, you do the Shtadlis in whatever area, Shaduchim, Panasa, and that's what's driving it. And really, it has nothing to do with it. The Shtadlis is a Klola. So, the rule is, when it comes to Bitochen, is there's no one set Madrega. Whatever Madrega you're on, that's how much Siat you get. And the higher you raise that bar, the less Ashtadlis you have to do. So it feeds on itself. And the lower you raise it, and this can go up and down every minute, every day. Depending on different kufas in life where you're holding, you will be doing something which will become almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you put in more, you will need more. And then you'll put in more, and you'll need more than that. It's a scary thing. Well, the upside is you put in less and you pass that Nisayim, which is difficult, uh, then you might need less, depending how much you uh, put into it, how many kaychas you put in, and how much time you give it. And the ending isn't always the way we want to write the script. As the Chaznish says in the theme in Emunah Bitochen, Emunah Bitochen doesn't mean that everything's going to turn out the way we think it's going to turn out, all right? It means what Hashem has planned. With that backdrop, What's going to happen in the following psukim and the following prokim, and really for all of Shaftim, is that they came and take this all with Nisan Gleim, and the Yardin split, and they came from the Midbar from Nisan Gleim every day, and they came into Yisrael and Nisan Gleim. And now we're over a century later, and Hashem's not going to give them Nisan Gleim Mamish anymore, as he explained with the Mushal, with the famous uh, concert that was being put on by the world-renowned, whoever he was, and the little girl asked him to prove his kaychus, uh, and he doesn't entertain for every little girl. He doesn't entertain for every generation. And Hashem gave the nisim once and asked us to pass on the Maseirah. And Klai now is a generation where they're pretty close to the people who saw it, but they didn't see it themselves, and it's a natural laziness, a natural uh, good midas of Yidin that they don't want to keep fighting, which here is not a mitzvah, it's an avera and they're not getting it done quick enough, and they figured, no, 90% of them are conquered already, so we'll stay them. they look like nice people, how much damage is it going to cause? And because of that, the fighting, he's not doing it as reasons, is getting more difficult. And now they'll have tremendous yatash they'll continue to have it, and there'll be nisim, more nister, all of Shaftim, and certainly in the time of Shaul and David and Shlomo, plenty of nisim to go, but now they're fighting battles where... They're already losing a few, and then some of the guys are fighting back, and then some of them are getting more entrenched. And this is going to grow because when you see this, and you say, okay, we've got to fight more, and we've got to plan more, or maybe we should give up, and maybe there's some yish over here, and that becomes 
a vicious cycle until there's an uptick when people do tshuva and the shevet comes and saves them and that lasts Baruch Hashem for a long time. So let's see again, Pasuk Yedal, V'yichaf Hashem b'Yisrael v'yitnam b'yad sheisim v'yad sheisim they're now attacking, terrorizing. And the battles were not going that well. This is not indicative of what happened all the time. This is a nevua that's giving you a forward look on what's going to happen before they wake up. And at that point, when they hit the low ebb, Hashem will send in Rachamim a shayfei to cause them to do tshuva, lead them to battle, and throw off the yoke. And we're going to see very soon the first of them, the first enemy, what happened, who the shayfei will be. This is sort of like, the Navi often doesn't do this, but you can't make sense of shayfei unless you know what's coming. And here the process will be, for a long time they'll be doing the right thing, but it'll slowly slip, and then it gets worse and worse. And then the enemy starts pushing back more and more, start terrorizing, start taking over cities, and then start a stranglehold. And then the people wake up and say, wait a minute, this is Eretz Yisrael. How do we get into this mess? Then they will do what didn't do well. They'll cry out to Hashem and do tshuva. The shofet will be sent and he will save them. Before we see the good news of the shofet saving them, in Tezayin, look at Tezvav and Rashi. What's that referring to? That's a very ominous pasuk. And no such thing as a coincidence. We're holding right before Shavuos. That when things are bad, they'll be so bad that there will be clear signs of punishment, war, terrorism, famine. If you try to run away, the long hand of Hashem Kaviyachal will come and find you. And Elimelech Machan Achillian gave up. We'll discuss yet, we've discussed in previous years, we'll go back to Rus in some format, hopefully this year, and we'll see that Ali Melech had the ability to help out and ran away. His question was, nobody has enough money to support all the Chayisal. This famine can last for a year or two or five. I'll just spend all my money and Chayisal still won't be saved. That question is logically on the ledger explainable. That's not what Hashem wanted. Hashem wanted somebody who was a leader He's a born leader. He would be the ancestor of Malchus. And he was given the money and the power and the ability to put his foot down and say, Atkan, we have to do tshuva. I'm going to support you in the next couple of weeks, months, while we do that. And even though on paper I can't do much more, maybe Hashem will have Rachamim. So you have to step up, do the right thing, and then Hashem will shorten the Einish. He didn't do that. He ran away. And he ran away, and Rashi says, It followed him there, and he died. His sons died. And Nami and Rus was able to come back, but penniless and somewhat broken. Not completely broken, because they picked themselves up and were able to uh, not only join Klai Yisrael, but make themselves the new uh, leaders of what will be the uh, future of the Malchus. They didn't become leaders in the time. They were very humble, but uh, they will be the future. So, that was the worst moment at that particular for the lowest ebb, and Rashi says that was a fulfillment of this Pusik. What's going to happen, hopefully, next? Pusik says, If they do tshuva, Hashem will always save them. The promise is, Klayosor will always be here, and not everybody on an individual level will make it, but there'll be that critical mass, as we saw by the Chorban at the end of Malachim Beis. This is an overview of Sefer Shevtim, Shevet Acha Shevet, and we will see 
the Loeb, we'll see the disaster, we'll see the Tshuva, we'll see which Shefet does it and what his tactic will be, and each one will have a different tactic, and each Shefet will be very unique based on the needs of the generation. And he will come and do what's necessary on the Madrega that they deserve. Pasuk Yud Zayim, next page. Vegam El Shoftayam Lo Shameu, as we began the Shir with Harry Truman and uh, Chaim Weitzman, who was not a Shafit because he unfortunately was not with the program. But his observation was I have three million presidents. When things go well and people are on the Madrega, you don't have three million presidents. You'll always have a couple of dozen of Avirams and complainers, but most of the people will be listening. And that's not Gullah's conditions, which is why we have what we still have today. And even in the time of the Shaftim, part of the problem was they weren't listening, so when the Shaftim saved them, they listened more, but as the years wore on, there's always complaints, real or imagined, and that was weakened, and then the people started slipping. Gam el Shaftim, the Pussy's trying to answer, if they had the Shaftim, why didn't that stay? Why do we find the land was quiet for 30 years, 40 years, 80 years, that's great, and that's a tremendous track record. Lamaisa, it wears off, and unless you have constant chizuk, he can get up and say, I'm clapping on the bima, guys wake up, we don't remember what happened 50 years ago, but he's talking to a new generation, and he might be 80 years old, which means they should respect him more, not less, but they didn't see it, they don't remember the Yeshua, and they don't remember the downside of acting out, and that became a problem. That's the result here in this Pesach. V'gam el shavteim l'shameu, first mentioned Beferish of the fact that when they started drifting, they would drift to Avodah Now, a person drifts nowadays, Baruch Hashem, somebody's from, they drift, they mishir, they come late, they uh, uh, don't learn as much as they can, they come late to the Harusa, they don't daven as much, they're different things, they don't do Avodah as a trip to, The answer is, is that the guys that are around are the thorn and the next door neighbor and they would you'd stop them. They would say, no, no I went to the Ashkama Minion. Or I dived in my backyard. Whatever I did. And they looked at it. He invited me to a barbecue. Part of every barbecue is their Avodah ceremony. No, that I wasn't too involved in. He was there and he probably bowed down Laman HaShalom, which he's not supposed to be making. He's not supposed to be making treaties. So if even a few people in Klai are doing it, that's a big problem. And it slips and it slips, and you start doing that, and you do both, and then you do more of that, and that's why you have kings like Achav who did plenty of both. Sounds strange to us, but my example always is, you met from people who talk Lashonar. How can that be? A from person talk Lashonar? Uh, doing Machlekes, Kas, Bitzel Terra. The answer is, he still gets his thoughts from, he's working on it. So there were people who for Enford, uh, yeah, I do some of what is our, sometimes, the big gates are, we can't understand it. I'm not saying we would have done better, but we have to do better, and the Pusik says that because of that, Klai was in Sakana. They had Arvis, and whatever the percentage was, it made a tremendous negative ration. Nowadays, we, you know, we can use that for money and things like that, yes. But in those days, it, it meant other things also, but it means Pashup Shah of Arazar, they had a totem pole in the back, and then they had Kishof also, and they, it was a you know, we know from Malachim it was a very strong Yitzhara. But Lamaisa, the fact that they weren't doing it all the time, and they were still doing some mitzvahs, and the fact that most of Klai wasn't involved, doesn't help if you have Arvis. So that's what's going on here in the Pusik. And Arvis means the ability for the people to hold up based on the peer pressure, positive peer pressure and encouragement, to eradicate it. 
And uh, we see that already from the beginning of the conquest from Ochon, and uh, it caused a lot of collateral damage, and same thing over here. And then when they did real tshuva, Hashem would send the shefet to save them. Hashem Kaviachol really wants to apply the Mitzvahim and forget everything that happened and save them, which Hashem does, but there's got to be that forward movement. This is, again, the overview of what will happen at such time when they do tshuva. Next page. As long as he still kept control. At the end, again, it would start wearing off. Similar to the Eden crying out of Mitzrayim, they were still a Mimtashari Tuma. But they cried out enough, and Hashem came to their aid and even shortened the duration of the Gullah significantly. They had to pay for it in quality instead of quantity, but they got out earlier. And he brought the Yeshua relatively quickly, even though the enemy till that time was so menacing, they couldn't imagine how they'd get out of this matzav. Shuas Hashem keheref ayin. Rashi says, Min ha'akasav amnei na'akasam ha'ilu lefanov mibnei oiveyem do their tefillahs, they're crying out in pain. Pasig yatez v'hoyev ha'maysa shayfet yashuvu v'shchisu me'avaysem l'olechas acharei alihim acherem and then there's this vacuum. So again, whenever we see a pasig like this, we say, well, why was there a vacuum? Why did the shayfet's son take over normally? The son, if he's a barachari, could take over, appoint somebody else. By kings, once you need a king, you have a king, and it's supposed to go in succession immediately. David to Shlomo. Shlomo was anointed in David's lifetime due to the machlekes caused by Adonio. Lamaisa, even when there was succession in Malachim, it didn't always work that the son was a Mamali Malchim in terms of its sitkus. And at this time, it's not the period of kings yet. They still get more schar for doing it themselves, but most of the time they did successfully. Even though from these psukim it sounds like Shafit died, the Pusik's telling us this is what's going to happen and there's going to be a vacuum and until the next Shafit comes, there's going to be slippage. The answer is yeah, but that could take another 20, 30 years and they were getting so much schar for doing it on their own volition. So that's the debate we mentioned before in the time of the Mashiach. People want to say, I'm not going to get so much schar. Why do I want to be there? The answer is if we're losing as Klai Yisrael more than we're gaining. Even if you particularly like the challenge and you're passing more, and there are Yechidim like that, it's better for Klai Yisrael. So we dive for the Mashiach because Klai Yisrael needs it, and there's a Gila Shechina that needs to happen until then it's a Chil Hashem. And we should be altruistic about wanting the Mashiach, but for the totality of the world, Tikkun Olam for the Gayim is secondary, but that's important. More for Klai Yisrael, there are more Yidin who need it that don't. The fact that you might get less higher in the time of the Mashiach is uh, not really Nagea when you're davening for the klal and you're allowed to include yourself you're supposed to include yourself in that and that's called being selfless so over here as well the uh, original plan which is working by and large is that the yechidim would get more schar but that was most of the yechidim and the post describing what happened when enough of them didn't do it and affected everybody and that triggered after a lot of waiting and Hashem 
Havru Hagayazes, Bisi Ashetzi Visi, as a vice of La Shamala Kaili, Gamani, La Isa, La Hirish, Ishmib Nehem, and Agayamisha Azav Yashu of Ayamas. Each Pasuk that describes the next round, the next cycle, is more ominous in terms of how much more Ishtal is going to have to do. And Hashem said, they're not keeping the bris, they're making the bris for Gayim, they didn't follow through securing all of Eretz Yisrael. I'm not going to keep my promise. Hashem has certain promises, Kaviachal, that are said in different Lush and Shvua, that are always kept. Like, Klai is always going to be Klai is always going to be an Amanifcher, which we mentioned. Uh, here, the better plan would be, the quicker plan would be to stay on the higher Madrega and have more Nisim, and it'll go quicker. And that's what I mentioned as an introduction to this introduction, is that each cycle goes and it dips lower in the next cycle, and therefore it becomes more of a problem to conquer everything. They're going to succeed, but it's going to be a long cycle of ups and downs. And the Pusik spells it out in Pusik Chavbez. Laman nasoiz bom es Yisrael. Now that Yisrael becomes greater, can they sort of dig themselves out? The good news is, it's always possible. This is mirroring the individual's personal messianess. Avera gereris avera. So now the next avera is easier to do. It's harder to climb out. It's never impossible. You just got to work a lot harder to break out. It's never impossible. Not on the individual level, not level of Klai Yisrael. And Laman Nasayis Bam Es Yisrael means the Nisayin now just got bigger, but not impossible. Mitzvah Gerez Mitzvah means the more mitzvahs you do, the more Kedusha you have, the more Siyat you'll have, and you have a tailwind for mitzvahs. We'd like to be going in the positive direction. There are certain Kufas where things get a little out of hand. The Yitzhar would like to convince us it's too late and you're so deep down the swamps, it's not going to work. You can't take yourself out. There is no such thing. So that has to be balanced, and that's why these are very important hashkafas for life, which all are learned from Chumash and Avi. So we have to ingrain these principles and uh, see them in the Pesukim. Chav Beis, Laman, Asayz, Bam, Es Yisrael, Hashemrim, Haim, next page, Es Derech Hashem, Olech Bam, Kasher Shamra, Avaisam, Imloi. Ultimately, they have to get back to the original plan. Again, very interesting pasuk. The promise in the Chumash was that I'm not going to have you get rid of the game too quickly because animals will come. It'll be dangerous. It's going to go slow. That was the original plan when everything was going 100% correctly. Here, the pasuk is saying now it's even going to go slower than the original plan and Yeshua Benun dies early. His personal mistake was he wanted to go slower because he'll be around longer, completely L'shem Shemayim, to watch Klai Yisrael. They shouldn't go off. That was an incorrect decision, Lamaisa, even though he meant L'shem Shemayim. And Klai Yisrael now is, due to their laziness, false Rachmanus, natural gates of horror for Avodazara, blend of all three, they went slower. So now, because they were going slower even the time of Yeshua Benun, it was now going to go slower afterwards, and every time they got too entrenched, it's now going to go even slower. So 350 years, which we're going to have by the end of Shaftim, is a lot slower than it was supposed to be. It's going to get done. But the theme is the same, and that is the more Averis or the more um, lethargic somebody gets in their Avedis Hashem, the more lethargic they're going to be. So if you feel lethargic and you get lazier, so how does that help? The answer is, there's a burst of energy of tshuva when you're in a matzah where you realize you really got to dig yourself out and no atheist in a foxhole and Hashem has to put them in a foxhole with people shooting at them for them to wake up. We'd rather have other reminders and not need the reminders and 
The uh, tie-in, I've said in a few drushes, this present matzav is, yes, things are difficult and challenging on many fronts and tragic on many fronts. Uh, apparently, we're not up to and we're not looking for any real wars or pogroms or inquisitions, and that's why we're able, or famines, and we're able to sit comfortably listening to a shear and have what to eat for breakfast. Uh, that's a sign of our madrega. We're not looking for any more. We're not trying to prove any... Uh, courage or madrigas that we don't have, but Hashem knows in every generation what you can handle, and we should be using it to wake up and realize that not so posh it, we have beautiful shuls and beautiful yeshivas, Hashem in one minute can take it away and says it's right here, you can't go in. That means that when we go in we have to treat it with more respect, that means we gotta understand the schuss of going in, we gotta make more use of it, we're doing our best in the interim, alright, I'm giving a share, and a lot of people listening, and they're trying to grow, and that's Gavaldic. Hashem uh, wants to see that, and He wants to see the resolution of the claw and the prat, what are we going to do when we have it back? So that is extremely important as we get closer, hopefully, to that, to remind ourselves it's not just business as usual when you go back. That's the point of these psukim, and couldn't fit in better with the backdrop of this overview. And the overview ends at the end of this parak, which is ended in Pasich of Gimel, and in Perik Gimel, we're going to start listing the enemies and the shayftim, and then take each one separately to see why this shayfed used this particular mahalach and ruchnius and gashmius, why based on the particular dar of there, we're going to have some very unusual circumstances. We already know the first shayfet from the Rosh Hashiv of Klai Yisrael, Sneel Ben Kanaz. Uh, that was about as standard as you can get, Tere Gedula son-in-law of Kalev, and he has the Gevura Satera, and then the natural guru that comes from that, and Gavaldic, that's very standard. That's the highest madrega. The next one we're going to meet uh, after that is Ehud ben Geira. Don't get me wrong, some of my best friends are lefties. Very close to a lot of lefties. Family members, somebody I'm looking at, myself. Yeah, so uh, we got a lot of lefties here. So uh, they suddenly realizing that uh, there are a lot more lefties than they thought 100 years ago. They used to think there were maybe 1% population because the grandmothers and the mothers always changed them to righties. So we uh, might be taking over, but don't worry. I think most of the lefties are nice. But uh, there are a lot of lefties around. Then it was extremely unusual. And it's not just an interesting thing that he's going to win the battle by being a lefty and drawing a sword a different way. That's the, that's the newspaper said on the front page of how we did it. Lefty represents the fact that the first message to Klyasol is, I'm still going to save you, do tshuva, and I will save you, and you'll go forward, but it's not going to be the same Nez Goli, it's going to be with the Shinoi. And Lefty represents the Shinoi. That's what Ayyad Ben Geira, just forward-looking, is going to be all about. Let's go to the Peleites for a few minutes, and if you're not running out, we will, uh, there are a few copies right here, and we'll go back to Shalom. It's a pella to me, speaking of Peleyades, how well the Peleyades and the Psukim we happen to be doing in them always tie in with whatever's going on in the world. So we were discussing the ability and the Chiyiv during Yemei Sfira and Shuas, the Amecha, Belevechad, and especially during uh, Corona to uh, make peace and have peace and uh, Shalom should be come out above all. And we have a situation where he's describing Bake Shalom Vodfeu as not only to have peace yourself and with your immediate neighbors and family members to try to broker peace and try to get involved when you can really make a reshim and that they will listen to you and you might not think you're so choshev but if you have the clout and they will listen based on your relationship based on your position 
there's a tremendous mitzvah to get involved. So, that is the introduction in paragraph number two on page two. In Gadol HaShalom Ben Isha Ben Re'er, Lachas Ka'an Vakan Ben Ish Le'ishtoi, Gadol HaShalom Abayis Asani HaMachlekes. So certainly, charity begins at home and shalom begins at home. It's not only to make sure there's peace all around you, which is obviously the first stop. If you see Machlech is around you and you can broker a deal, then that's part of your Chiv as well. If you can do more damage or not accomplish anything at all but hear a lot of Lashon Har, then don't get involved. But if you can get involved... Aaron Akain was known. That was his chelik and avayde. Besides all the other halakam of being the second link in the Messiah from Moshe Rabbeinu, of being the kain gadol in the avayde, but his lave worked in the melachavera part. The reason the cheshem was on the lave was going around Klai Yisrael, always telling people sometimes, truthfully, sometimes, truthfully, but it didn't happen yet. Haruven really feels bad. He wants to make peace. And he went over to Shem. It didn't happen yet. But um, there are some stories told and they're true. And there are some stories told and they didn't happen yet. <laughs> but always, there's enough going on in life that you can stick to the truth often. But Aaron, Mara Shalom, then it's Mutter, because deep down Aaron knew it to be true. He really does the Pintalia. He feels bad. Did he express it to me? Almost. I see it in his face, and he wants to make peace. And with Aaron, a kind pressing the agenda, he was running Klaisal Meshra Beinu. It worked because people took him very seriously, and they understood whether they took it at face value that he actually said it, or they understood that Aaron really wants to make peace and it's embarrassing not to. Either way, it's fine. It worked, and he did it hundreds of thousands of times. There were many people in Klaiso who named their child Aaron just for the Shalom bias that he made and the ensuing Shalom bias and uh, more children, more family, uh, life, uh, Benachas, and there are a lot of Aaron's. I don't know what they did in the classroom. Uh, in the Midbar. That's we save him when he was Teda. And you got to know how to be Mishana, how much, and has to be obviously like any heter, as little as possible, but you have to get the job done. And if it's on a consistent basis, I think we mentioned last week, that Rav's son, Chiba Rav, tried it at home to try to intercede, and he ended up doing it on a daily basis, and Rav figured it out. He said, Thank you very much, but you can't do it every day because then you'll become a person who is used to lying. and so if you find that you're always lying about everything, that's a problem also. So it has to be balanced. It's a slippery slope. How did Aaron do it every day? That's why I put in that when he told Reuven and told Shimon, it was really true because he knew them and he knew deep down they didn't like being in a machalikas as opposed to saying an outright lie about something that happened because you think the alternative is going to cause machlekes. Often people use it when they just think they're going to be in hot water, but it's not a machlekes. They should face up to what they created, and then there's no head to the lie. So you got to really ask a shayla in those situations. It's a bit overused. Uh, the classic case of erasing Hashem's name and only this Deresa and Hashem not only allows it but his Metzavah should be done B'bnei Hava Shalom Zui Midasa Shal Aaron Akayin Shahaya Ma'ar B'Shalom Ba'elam Va'al Zet Sivui 
Havi mitamidim shel Aaron. Veroy legado limchal kfoide v'leilach etzal katan b'shvil l'tavich shon. And you should be mechel in your covet and be willing to get involved. Shloye kfoide yaser al kfoide shem shamayim. Ve'ikar mitzvah zoy kfoide begedolim. Because if they respect it, people will actually listen to them and focus on it. That's step one. Step two, to create the scenario of Shalom and Shalvam. Let's see, one more paragraph. He's Hirunu Razal Amru. Try to be proactive to keep the peace and make everybody's, make sure everybody's happy and they feel well adjusted and they feel part of the chevra and they don't feel you're being clickish and you want to be inclusive. So first easy step, say good morning to everybody, whether you know them, you don't know them. And Havimaktim Bishalom Kaladam means even Goyim, as we'll see, even people you don't know, even people you shouldn't necessarily have a shaykhs with, but a good morning is always in place. Person gives you shalom and you're your regular grumpy self in the morning. You didn't have your third coffee yet. And he says good morning and you don't answer him or you mumble something. That's considered gzela. He gave you something and it's a letdown. It's like a pachim panim. And often you'll convince the guy who just said hello not to do it again and that just causes more sadness and friction in the world. And you're letting him down. It's not nice. Gzela is usually stealing an object. Here, you're just stealing the goodwill. He went out of his way to say, good morning. It's insulting not to answer back. Generally, it's insulting if somebody says something, you don't answer him. And that's a type of Gzela. And Lashon over here, Gzela Sa'ani Bivatechem, Ani Lashon Aniyah, answering. How can you steal something in your house? You didn't walk away with anything. The answer is, he said, good morning, and you didn't answer back. People feel privileged when they're in a bad mood that they have a right to not answer. It says, what are you getting all salt about? I didn't answer you. You can't see him in a bad mood? Apparently, the Gemara holds that's not a hetter. Uh, Saul Salanta said, you can't be a barbish or you shouldn't use the word Shalom. The answer is Shalom is Shem Hashem. So the Zayar Kaddish is using Shalom is Shem Hashem. So as he will suggest in a moment, think of something else like good morning. If it's an Akum, he doesn't really recognize Shalom Lechem anyway. So the Zayar can be incorporated. Have a good day or good morning or good day. You have the second advantage besides the fact you shouldn't use the Shalom in Russia. In the ancient cities and alleys, alleyways and streets, you're always at a problem. The Gemara speaks about a lot of Muvos Hamitunafas. The reason we don't see this much today, Baruch Hashem, is we have plumbing, and the plumbing runs under the ground. In the olden days, they had no plumbing, and everything was just on the street. Today, you can have sometimes a garbage, a central garbage that has dirty diapers, and you smell it a few feet away, so you can't think and learn, you can't talk and learn, you can't say Shem Hashem. When you pass by, in a hot, hot climate, sometimes it's still on street corners, you just got to be careful, but most of the time, you can't really uh, smell it that far, and if you don't see it in front of you, and there are various heterim of, does the whole din apply, Graf Sharei, Lamaisa, in the time of the Gemara, this is a constant issue. One of the had a lush and he said, can't understand how you didn't live in cities, the whole city. Because, uh, say this delicately, if you were 
read the description in the Middle Ages, if you were stuck in the forest and you were lost and you didn't have your compass on you and your phone is dead and you don't know where you're going, you could just wait for a wind to come and you could smell the nearest city like 30 miles away. Can you imagine what it was in the city? So I guess after a while you stop smelling when you're in the city. But the question was, how do you make brachas? How do you daven? So then, rural life, farm life was preferred from the halachic standpoint and the purity standpoint. Okay, there were a term, the taka, if you don't smell it anymore, maybe there's no iser, does that apply, does not apply, if you live in a chicken farm and a moshav, um, does that term might apply, the question is to what extent, not for now. Lamaisa, using shalom is dangerous in a muvalas mutunafa situation and it's dangerous to use an akum, so you can use, use good morning, but you should be offering it, lachaladam, be proactive. And somebody says it to you, no matter what mood you're in, you got to answer with a smile, otherwise it's a type of gzela. Mitzvah we will continue next week. Again, we will start uh, around 9, 10 next week, and the shir will continue tomorrow night at 10 to 9 p.m. Call to...